Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. If you hear the noise in the background, we're still at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic. And so, of course, heifers are selling on the day-to-day. Bulls selling yesterday. Lots of excitement, sort of, in this marketplace. Because really, it's going to make for interesting as we move into this weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about the bean funds. Um, They're on the short go heading into the weekend. We have the outlook, outlook form that is not a lot of surprise there. But it really was just another low day in these grain markets and as we look at the grain side of it in the first half we get all the comments from sam hudson he's with corn belt marketing i think sam let's start there lower numbers that we looked at on a friday yeah the market got off to a decent start you know which you know i I kind of expected uh, going into a weekend here we we got the ag outlook form numbers uh here this week but i don't think anyone expected those to be bullish i don't think there was really any surprise in it a lot of that data gets carried over from uh you know last november so really nothing to garner there i think it's interesting to you know, just see the continued lack of, uh, you know, baking in any of these phase one trade agreement with China because we really haven't seen the demand yet. Uh, and comments that, you know, from Trump today, I don't think helped the cause, uh, suggesting that we might see more aid payments until those trade deals kick in. Well, that just leaves, you know, more uncertainty and more of a vacuum in terms of, you know, when will they kick in? Will they kick in at all? How long will it be? And so on and so forth. So just nothing else, uh, you know, for, for bullish fodder. But, uh, yeah, something to think about there would be, you know the, how short the bean, uh, the funds are in the bean con- uh, in the bean complex. Uh, we saw them, you know, near 100,000 contracts here last week. I would think selling into the close into the weekend today didn't help that cause. Uh, so it's a little reluctant to get on the short side there, at least in the short term. Uh, but we'll see if the demand can can actually show up here over the next 30 days. So does that mean now that we're past the ag outlook forum, the next bit of excitement is going to be the WASD or the March WASD report on March 10th? Yeah, you'll have the March WASDE boards, and then uh, of course at the end of the end of March, we'll have our acreage expectations, where you know we will print that number, and, and that sort of an event can help potentially put a low into the market. I uh, realize no one really wants to wait that long, and who knows if we run into a headline or we do see demand, I think we could recover before then. But uh, until that time comes, the trade's just going to continue to assume we're going to see big acres. Uh, I think a lot of people are talking about the potential for prevent plant again, and the fact that maybe we don't get all these acres seeded. I would be one of those in agreement with that. But you know, as it sits today, it's it's you know. 21st of February, we got uh, quite a lot of time here uh, before we really have to get concerned about you know, planters getting in the field. And you know, we still got to keep an eye on this flooding in the Missouri River. There's a lot of stuff to, to come down the pipe yet, but the demand side is, is such a big part of it. Uh, you know, just because of, of the time of year and if China shows up, if they don't, what we could end up with. So we got flooding on the Missouri that's taking place. We've got flooding that's going on the Platte right now. We have got uh, flooding on the Mississippi. So can we assume? I don't like to assume a lot, especially with these markets, but can we assume that 2020 spring is going to be another very weather-related market? I think you have to assume that. I think it's just to what degree. Um, and the flooding, you know, and this is similar to, in nature to last year when we had all, you know, the bomb cyclone situation in Nebraska in March. Uh, it, it does disrupt our exports a little bit, and it's coming just at a time where our export market is actually starting to pick up. We saw corn exports this morning almost $50 million. Uh, so certainly a number that we could live with on a weekly basis if that continued. But, uh, uh, you know, it could come at a time where the ethanol market starts to subside a little bit because we continue to grow ethanol stocks. We continue to see production, you know, at least steady. Uh, but if the ethanol prices can't go up, uh, you know, it, it's going to pinch the margins and therefore potentially hurt the flat price of corn uh, moving forward. You talk about those ethanol margins and really little has changed in the futures, but still kind of flat to boring. What is it going to take to get some excitement in that trade? 
Yeah, no, we, you know, we've had plants shut down last year. Uh, we've had all the hubbub about the, you know, our small refinery exemptions and the waivers and everything. And I think there, you know, there's some optimism there for change too, but I think it, it's going to come at such a slow rate that it won't really impact us this year. I think if anything like that happens, it may be after August uh, and before the election, you know, whether it's to buy votes or what have you, you know, put, put your label on what you will. But uh, nonetheless, if that takes place, it's a little too late in the game to really show a big benefit. Um, you know, so I think we just have to see, uh, you know, how politics continue to affect this trade. I, I don't think that uh, we've got this grand optimism that we're just going to see China come in and step in and, and, you know, bail us out and pick up the corn carryout and the bean carryout at that. And I think if, if the hog market is any proof of that, it, you know, I don't know what would be. You know, when you see their hog prices, you know, four to six times higher than ours. And yes, we've seen an increase in, in exports there, but you'd think they'd be wanting to buy more given that discrepancy. Looking at uh, the the dollar, we know that we continue to see some higher numbers. How much have you seen that as an effect on what we're going to see with export numbers, especially when we're having to compete with the Brazilian real, which is pretty darn cheap right now? Yeah, and, and the currency uh, definitely catching a little bit of attention. I, I and it's not the end all be all, but I the, the worst part is the timing. You know, there again, it, it, we're ahead of South America's harvest after ours in a period where you know you would think the U.S. export season could really catch a windfall. Uh, and yet we see the Brazilian real trading at some, you know, basically into new lows here into the end of the week, and, and the dollar was in the new highs. And hopefully we can finally reverse that at some point. But it just does not help the cause, uh, and, and it necessitates us to find lower prices in order to stimulate demand. I think someone was talking. Uh, I didn't see the quote, but I, I believe beans uh, for harvest delivery uh, back, you know, six eight months from now are you know twenty five to forty cents, you know, cheaper. Uh, you know, or, or off of the price in Brazil, so they can still buy it at a margin there, and that's why who, who's first in line is going to have a big impact. Looking at um, you talk about being that first in line, we've been waiting for some sort of export excitement to take place, and really it was very quiet again this week. Is that just going to continue? I mean, we're waiting on China, we're waiting on Japan. There's just a lot of waiting and twiddling of thumbs at this point. And I think, you know, they continue to get quotes on U.S. products. I think it's interesting to see them, you know, keep tabs on, on stuff. But uh, this whole time along, you know, we've got to realize that the tariffs aren't off. Uh, China has to, if you issue those quote, uh, those waivers for their private buyers to step up and buy, and they just haven't had an appetite yet. And the quality of U.S. corn, I think, is a bit of a problem, too, because we can't get the right quality probably as readily available out of the Pacific Northwest as what we'd want to. Um, and so with the Gulf being the most competitive, it, it just... It doesn't put them in a real, you know, quick spot to make a big impact, I guess. Well, stick around, folks. We have a lot more coming up. You heard Sam talking a little bit about the hogs. We'll find out more about that. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. It's your mo- Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Again, we are at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic that's taking place at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds. So you may be hearing a few bulls and heifers in the background and also maybe some sale announcements as well as those heifers have been selling. We continue to have our conversation with Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing as we switch gears and we look at the livestock side. Since you talked about hogs in the first half, let's talk a little bit about more what you're seeing within this hog complex. I mean, we've continued to see lower numbers with them and it just seems like we're on this roller coaster we can't get off. Well, you know, we continue to, to contend with the fact that the U.S. producer has ramped up production so quickly in the face of uh, ASF that, you know, the cash price has just not been able to really get up and, and, and stay higher. Uh, and I think that's what's plaguing us right now. you got the lean hog index just above 55. And here we are with April futures at 67. So you got a $12 premium. 
and really not much time on the clock there. So uh, you could say the same thing about May and June. So we got these premiums all up in these deferred markets, and what we need to see now is the bull spreads lead the way, and that can't be done until we see either the back months fall um, or the cash start to you know grind higher to justify a higher front month futures market. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, with the uh, February having gone off the board, didn't really have time for that. Now we turn to the April and, and see what kind of upside we could have there. Uh, but this all filters back to China and how quickly they're going to have a, an appetite or desire for our protein, what products, when, where, um, and until the first card starts to fall, it's really uncertain for all this stuff, everything across the board. Well, you know, and, and that kind of leads to the fact that our, our freezers, our cold storage is getting full. It'll be interesting to see what the next cold storage report has to say. But we know with coronavirus and everything taking place in China, it's just one thing after another for them. They need the protein. It they've got to feed their people. But they can't get it off the docks. I understand that there's been some ships turned away because of that. Yeah, and that and there's two sides of that coin because obviously the, the immediate concern becomes for demand, and that's where we've seen this kind of self-first, ask questions later type of attitude. Um, you know, but it's also potential for you know increased imports into China because they've got to rely on outside sources because their processing and, and industrial uh, sector just you know comes to a halt altogether. So. Um, yeah, you know, the, this coronavirus adds a moving target on top of a trade war. And, you know, just the dynamic is it's just so sloppy. Uh, it, if not for nothing, it, it has created some opportunities in some of these spreads in some of these livestock markets. But in terms of overall market direction in general, uh, it just seems like everybody's continuing to wait on the edge of their seat for something to happen. And, and it just doesn't happen. Well, the proteins are there. We know that uh, the wait and see, as you and I talked about, how do you see that affecting um, long term on the way these hogs are, are, have been trading? Well, I think eventually what you're going to end up with is you will see those bull spreads, you know, take off. But if there really is a vaccine for ASF and things in that ship can kind of be righted, um, you know, at some point it's going to be, you know, just time to be hedged out in those back months. And I think from a producer standpoint, that's where you got to keep your focus is, you know, have, have a certain percentage that is locked up in terms of having profit locked in because the way these markets can go to, you know, a premium to discount to cash is pretty quick anymore. And that can be said of the hog market feeders, you know, pretty much anything. Uh, and when so much of this involves politics on top of it, uh, you know, it gives it a different level of unpredictability. Are we current, though, on the on the cattle side of it? I, I believe so. And, and I, you know, I think that leaves a little bit of optimism, too, as we head into our summer months and our grilling season starts to get going. Um, you know, and that this can filter back all the way into, you know, the weather discussion again where we started this. So uh, I think as we go into spring, I don't want to be too negative here. But from a seasonal standpoint, it's not atypical to see this feeder market start to relax. Um, if we run into a headline or run into some of this demand, it could really change the landscape. But otherwise, I think you could expect some pretty uh, pretty choppy markets here as we go into and, and make the round for the second quarter. And really, Sam, there hasn't been a lot of discussion this winter about concerns about weights on these cattle. No, we haven't really had an extended period of really horrible winter weather. It seems like we come come you know through bouts of it. Uh, you get really cold weather, you get some snowstorms, and then it warms up again to 45 degrees. No different than this weekend. I think you know we were down into the single digits, and I think we're supposed to have 50 degrees in sunshine here for a couple of days before we get another three to six inches of a rain snow mix next week. So it's kept things sloppy. Uh, it certainly kept field work at a minimum, if that was on anyone's mind, anyways. And at this point, it's just uh, getting the, you know corn hauled off farm and. Uh, know finding find a place to blend it because it's usually not good well there's a lot of factors that are being kind of looked at both in the grain and the livestock side and before we know it it is going to be spring field work time and we know that there's delays that are underway right now in the south final thoughts on what we should be looking at in the market either on the grain or the livestock as we get uh, ready to finish the last final swing of february 
You know, something I can't ignore here as we kind of uh, start setting our eyes on spring is the, is the fact that, you know, look at, look at our bean carryout. It, we, basically, we more or less cut that in half from where we were last year. We were looking at a billion bushels plus and 900 to a billion bushels. We cut it down to 425 now in this ag outlook forum. Yes, the numbers aren't really bullish, but you're down to, what, 300 to 320 million for a projection there now. And keep in mind, that assumes that we plant, you know, with their projection of 84 to 85 million acres and have you know, a near 50 bushel to the acre yield across the whole nation. Well, if you take some of those acres out, if you bring some of this Chinese demand back in, you know, maybe we get the 50 bushel yield, maybe not. Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbuttmarketing.com. All right, just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can pick this up as a podcast at our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe to your free podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Rural Radio Network.